TikTok is the go-to spot for memes, dance tutorials, product recommendations, and recently hours of getting way too invested in sorority recruitment videos. But what if I told you it's also grounds for riveting discourse about American tax policy? That's right, the wonky stuff. Turns out TikTok makes it really easy for everyday Americans to let lawmakers know how they feel about their work. The best example of this might be the trend of dance videos celebrating the arrival of the coveted stimulus check. Stimulus, stimulus, Joe Biden about to drop in stimulus checks. 1400 but these are just memes right well dylan matthews says there's more than meets the eye dylan is a senior correspondent for vox he recently wrote about the rollout of personal pandemic relief payments and how they might have unlocked tiktok's hidden potential he joins us now to tell us more hey dylan hey adam and today we've also got a second guest on the show since we're talking about tiktok we've invited journalism's go-to tiktok expert dave jorgensen You may also know him as the Washington Post TikTok guy. Hey, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me, Adam. Thank you both for joining us. So, Dylan, last month you wrote about the TikTok response to the child tax credit, which are the monthly payments of up to $300 that went directly to parents in need during the pandemic. So what is it about these checks that made them so memeable? So I think uh, the most important part of it is that the checks were not universal, but were nearly universal for the people being targeted. The child tax credit goes to all but the very richest parents in the country. Parents are a very large group, uh, sort of parent, mom, dad focused TikTok and Facebook and Instagram are all sort of phenomena already. And so it was a very easy unifying thing. And I think beyond that, it all landed at the same time. When that child tax credit hit your account and you had no idea. Um, it's it's not as though people applied for it at different times and started receiving it at different times. It all rolled out on July 15th. And so when everyone's getting a sudden uh, deposit to their bank account at around the same time, that makes it very easy to make content that people will relate to. And Dave, you see a lot of memes on TikTok related to all kinds of big news events. Is tax policy usually up there as the most likely to inspire a meme? <laughs> it's not It's not the number one uh, news event that might be driving different sort of TikTok memes, but that's not to say that it, it couldn't be. And in this case, it, it definitely was. I think it's really just about something, any news event really, that or government policy that is easy enough to understand, and I would say under 15 seconds. Dylan makes a really good point that it was happening to a lot of people at once, so the simultaneous nature of that, where we also were sort of experiencing it at once, really helps. Uh, thinking all the way back to March 2020, when TikTok had just a huge growth in people that downloaded it, it was because of the pandemic and everyone was experiencing the same thing at once. So a lot of the TikToks, including Washington Post TikToks at that point, were just all about going insane at home. Welcome back to Quarantine, a podcast. I'm Dave. I'm joined as always by Dave. Hey, Dave. How are you? Could be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think this is the same, this is a little more of a celebration, but it was, you know, about doing this thing at home that's everyone just got this money. And I think it's also the other element of this that made it so fun and, and viral on TikTok is that anyone could make this TikTok and their own version of it. And they could include their kid if they wanted or, or not include their kid, but they all kind of had the same joke that they could play to and to different effects. So I got my first child tax credit payment today, which means the government has officially paid me more child support than my baby daddy ever has. And no matter what, you're going to find it funny in some capacity. And are there other specific examples of big government policies that you've seen get a similar meme treatment? 
yes and no. I mean, I really have been following this, the, basically this exact meme, but in different versions where there was different checks that were coming out. Uh, obviously, this was the the one that much more people got all at once. But the stimulus checks, that's been one of the easiest ones to do. And, and our version of this, this latest one was uh, at the same time, there was this meme where people were using their phones, like a banana phone rather. So they were just talking in a banana. And it was just me calling the IRS asking uh, if I was going to get any money and claiming that a can of spam was my child. Hello, this is the IRS. Hi, I'm calling about the monthly child tax credit. I didn't get one. Okay, do you have kids? Yes, one kid. How old? When did I get you at the grocery store in March? A, a year and a half. Okay, that qualifies you for $300 a month. What's your child's name? Sam. Last name? The Can. Dave, are you kidding me? So you're, you can also incorporate other memes into these different uh, events that are happening, and that always uh, helps to escalate them. So Dylan, I wonder, do you think this is changing the way that people are interacting with the government? Does a banana phone meme video <laughs> count as civic engagement? Um, I think it's more engagement that a lot of people have with government policy, and specifically their policy to the degree of specificity of a single tax credit than the most people have in a given year. And and I think it's also just a way more public conversation than happens about most things. Um, you sometimes get conversations about longstanding policies like uh, the mortgage interest deduction, but those tend to be tailored to a relatively small share of people. Not everyone owns a home. Not everyone makes enough money to itemize their deductions. This, because it was so widespread, because it was so easy to summarize, as, as Dave pointed out, and because it's a subject of active ongoing political dispute, these are checks that are going to expire, that Joe Biden and Democrats in Congress want to not expire, that there is set to be a, a big fight about extending. Having this kind of feedback from, from voters directly is really unusual. Uh, usually members of Congress get a lot of feedback from specific interest groups or advocacy groups and not a lot of, of sort of widespread public engagement. This is not as as prominent or as huge a news story in the way it was covered in, in the media as Obamacare, but it's still getting this kind of like mass mobilization. And, and that's part of what I found so interesting about it. And I, I think it absolutely counts as civic engagement of a kind that will matter for the debate over extending this credit. And in your writing, you brought up the point that the U.S. government has a pretty bad track record when it comes to clearly showing how it benefits voters. Do you think this memification of policy is changing how people perceive government? Yeah, I think it, it sort of tightens the the feedback loop between voters and and policy. That there are, there are a lot of government policies that uh, the, the political scientist Suzanne Mettler uh, coined the term the submerged state that are sort of hidden from you sometimes on purpose. So to use mortgages as an example, again, we have the Federal Housing Administration, which is meant to backstop loans and make them cheaper. That's a very indirect way of helping people. It's not like you go to the government and they give you some money to go put a down payment on a house. It's that you're supposed to trust that indirectly they're doing these things in markets you don't really understand that make your mortgage a little cheaper. That's a lot harder to react to and understand and engage with politically. Checks from the government in a set amount that show up in your bank account are much simpler, much less submerged and tighten and increase uh, the amount of feedback coming directly from voters into the government in a way that I think whatever you think about the underlying policy, is probably healthy for democratic discourse. It, it increases the amount of feedback that policymakers are getting from their constituents. And again, democratic discourse and TikTok, not two phrases I would have put together before reading your piece. On that note, Dave, I think when people think about TikTok, they think about it as entertainment. Most of my interactions with TikTok, at least, have been watching funny videos. But you find a lot of success using the app to push information out about 
serious subjects. Would you say that users are receptive to what you're putting out there to the news? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, a couple of things have happened. Uh, The main thing is that, you know, TikTok aged up. And uh, again, that was sort of uh, sped up by the pandemic, where all of a sudden you had a lot more people downloading it that weren't just teenagers. And so I've always had tried to have the Washington Post TikTok account reflect the demographic and the age group that we're talking to. And I think, you know, sometime in the last year, I looked and I could realize a lot of our viewers were a little older and and ready to kind of actually get some news from the Washington Post TikTok account. And it sort of morphed from these silly meme videos into now it's almost every single video is directly news related. Uh, One of the most popular TikToks we had this year was about the war in Afghanistan and whether or not we're going to pull troops out. And it occurred to me that a lot of what was happening where you had President Trump saying we were leaving by May and then Biden said maybe a little bit later, it was kind of like two parents telling a group of people that you had different curfews. Hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> so I'm the new president. It's okay. I'm cool. Dab, right? <laughs> Flossing. <laughs> that May 1st curfew is looking kind of unrealistic. So we're going to go with September 11th, all right? Okay. You got to be out of here by then. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay in Afghanistan, right? <laughs> okay. Later, skaters. See ya. That got over 3 million views in just two days. And part of you know the entertainment aspect of TikTok is how you frame it. And so whenever I'm trying to uh, talk about these news events, I'm trying to think of how can I relate it to this audience or just relate it to a way that makes it either funnier or easier to understand. And the other aspect of TikTok that I think people forget about, especially as it relates to news, is because it loops just by itself, not unlike Vine used to do, it allows you to, first time you watch it and you kind of enjoy it, the second time, third time, fourth time, you're actually you know taking in the information more. So besides just watching, how are you seeing TikTok users interacting with what you're posting? Commenting is probably the biggest and, and probably my favorite part of TikTok outside of just making the TikToks is that the, the comment section, I think you're really rewarded in a way that might be different from any other platform uh, that, I could, that I can think of. It seems to be that whether it's the algorithm or just our audience or TikTok's just general way of working, that the more positive comments seem to float to the top, uh, the more interesting comments. Now, as the creator, I can pin a comment to the top, which is really helpful. So the comment section is the big thing. But the other thing that is really effective, and I never would have guessed this, but it's happened a lot recently, is that if someone wants their followers to see an interesting TikTok that they saw, they'll just duet our TikTok. So all they'll do is just film a video themselves next to the clip and watching it for the entirety of it. And all they're usually doing is just pointing at me or whoever's in the video and saying, listen to this, look at this. And that's the TikTok. They're basically just retweeting it, but the TikTok version of it. So there's a lot of ways you can engage. And with TikTok, there's there's a lot of creative ways you can do so as well. So Dylan, a similar question for you. As policy is becoming more prominent on social media, what kinds of responses are you seeing from lawmakers? Let's say, for instance, with this child tax credit trend. Yeah, I mean, I think one place you see more direct engagement from policymakers is on Twitter, that there are some, uh, especially younger members of, of the House and Senate who, who tend to be incredibly active. And I think that's been the main platform I've seen policymakers directly respond But I think TikTok has grown to a point where it's becoming hard to ignore. And even if uh, they're not creating their own content on TikTok, they're aware it exists and they're they're watching the videos. And I think it's become a big enough part of American culture, at least at this juncture, that they see it the way they see sort of clips from news stories or hits on TV news. Um, It's something about their policy that they have to be paying attention to. 
And you speculate in your piece that having such a strong basis support on social media might make it harder for them to roll back a policy like the child tax credit. Do you think that this is something lawmakers are thinking about in terms of rolling out future policies? Certainly. And I think that was part of the goal in rolling out the the child tax credit like this, that it was deliberately rolled out just for a year as part of a stimulus measure. But there was sort of a winking acknowledgement that this is something Democrats want to make happen permanently. And I think one indication of that is that in the new proposals to extend it, Biden is not proposing extending it indefinitely yet. He's proposing extending it to the end of 2023. And that suggests to me that he thinks that setting up periodic fights about this is to his benefit, that this is popular enough that saying, hey, Republicans want to take your check away is going to make voters more motivated to vote for Democrats the same way that having a minimum wage that isn't indexed to inflation and so has to sort of be manually raised every few years gives Democrats a, a powerful campaign issue. And so I, I think the administration certainly sees the threat of losing this and the threat of, of sort of anger at losing this being expressed on social media and through other avenues as, um, as a key part of their strategy. So generally speaking, on a good day, memes are fun. But as we all know, misinformation runs rampant on social media and it only seems to be getting worse. But it sounds like you guys have actually found a silver lining in this age of online politics. Do you foresee social media continuing to do more good than harm for civic engagement? Um, yeah, is uh, is the Internet doing more good than harm for civic engagement is one of those questions that's massive enough in scope that I, I can't begin to answer it adequately. But I would say that if that has a possibility of being true, it will be true in, by virtue of, of concerted efforts of people to spread accurate information um, on these platforms. One thing I've been uh, heartened by in watching memes about the child tax credit is that they generally are accurate about how it works, um, that it's a monthly payment based on the number of kids you have. And it's a small thing. It, it does not negate all the harm done through, say, vaccine misinformation on, on these platforms. But I was heartened to see how accurate most of the memes I was looking at were. I think, you know, it's funny you just mentioned the misinformation aspect of it, because that's been a kind of a renewed focus of the last month for me is misinformation TikToks or rather TikToks about things going viral, that there's a lot of lies within what's going viral. Um, I think it's obviously a bit of a, a double edged sword. It can go both ways. TikTok can also you know, be the platform spreading this information. But it's been a really great way to use the platform itself to explain how to you know, spot this when it's happening to make people more media literate. So I'm, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic, especially as we continue to make these TikToks uh, to help our viewers understand how this happens. And, you know, again, going back to the comment section, that's some of the best comment sections we've had is when I've made those TikToks and you see people interacting and saying, I fell for it, I didn't fall for it, and talking about why they did or didn't fall for it. That's actually, to me, really healthy. Dylan, Dave, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Adam. Thanks, Adam. You can check out Dylan's latest on the child tax credit at Vox.com. And you can catch Dave's videos by following The Washington Post on TikTok. That's at Washington Post. Thank you for listening to Rico Daily. My name is Adam Clark Estes. This episode was produced by Alan Rodriguez Espinosa and engineered by Paul Mouncey. Let us know what you want to learn more about and email us at RicoDaily at Rico.net.